When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to discuss the free agency offensive line positions here. Now, we put these all together because we know the Ravens need interior offensive line help, or at least that's been what everybody's been saying for the last several months since the season ended. And we know they might need tackle help, uh, depending on whether or not they trade Orlando Brown. But even if they didn't, they, they really were playing without a net, without a backup tackle last season, not a good one anyway. And uh, it's something the Ravens need to try and figure out, we think, as well. So Jordan Coe is here to join me. Jordan, always a pleasure to talk football with you. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ken. I think the offensive line is an interesting bunch as we head into this, you know, offseason and this free agency. There's certainly they are certainly a lightning rod, I think, amongst Ravens fans right now. Yeah, I, you know, if it weren't that the skill position players are what everybody wants to talk about, and everybody wants to talk about wide receiver on Twitter, of course, uh, the offensive line is a one of those parking puzzles almost because you have a lot of players who could play different positions, and you don't know whether, you know, Phillips is going to be a tackle or a guard. I think he'll probably end up a guard, but you don't know for sure where the Ravens plan to use him in this next year. You don't know if DJ Fluker might still be around as a, as a backup at tackle. You don't know if Bozeman is going to be a guard or center, but they have a lot of moving parts. Bredesen, his position has not been determined. Could Matt Scurro be back and a plug in, you know, a plug in player for one year as a backup who knows. Uh, but anyway, how do you view their current players? Where do you, how do you see the pieces right now? And remembering of course that we're going to talk about the free agent offensive line in about two minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the, to me, that's the big question. You named four or five guys right there. You've got um, Tristan Colon Castillo on top of that. You've got Patrick McCarry on top of that. And you've got Ben Powers on top of that. Um, and when you look at the draft capital that the Ravens have put into this position, you're seeing third and fourth rounders regularly being spent by the Ravens on these positions. And maybe for another team that's meaningless, but I think the Ravens really put a lot of stock and value in guys that they find in those third and fourth rounds. And in particular on the offensive line, the Ravens really like to kind of snipe at the players that they like. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they've been sniping more because they don't love the guys they've already got on the roster. But, um, you know, Tyree Phillips, is, for, as an example, is a guy that seems really physically talented. They, they like him as a guy that can pull still, um, even though he's a guy that could swing out to tackle. You don't see that uh, terribly often. That makes him a really great fit from a guard perspective, but at times was explosively terrible this past season. I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. Tyree Phillips was in, in at least a couple different wins, I think could have been the guy that you pinned the loss on when it was all said and done <laughs> because, because he, he blew plays where the Ravens actually ran passing schemes that were open and they never had a chance to hit on those. Um, and you know, you can't do that. And that's not fair to Tyree Phillips, but he had some, these explosively negative plays that were explosively bad. And so, yeah, everybody wants to talk about the wide receiver position and everyone, you know, that's what every fantasy football is why everybody wants to talk about that. But when you really get in the mud, I think for Ravens fans that are watching closely, if the offensive line plays exceptionally well, this is a team that's going to be borderline impossible to beat in my opinion. And so, so in that sense, all these chess pieces that they've got in house, as well as kind of whatever move they decide they want to make in free agency, I think on the offensive line is the most critical decision this team's going to make this offseason. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of in a lot of ways, they could pay a lot for a wide receiver and not get that much value out of it. It'd be very difficult for them to not get full value if they really found a gem on the offensive line, whether that's in free agency or internally with one of the guys they have. It's it would be a a big find and a big a big move forward. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, a couple of things before we go into free agency, I always like to remind people of is, you know, one of the things I look at is the option value of a player over several years. And so a player that you have for either two or three more years with the Ravens have with several of their interior linemen, McCary, TCC, Bredesen, for example, Phillips, uh, you know, you can buy into that component years two, three and four of a player's growth, or you can buy into ages, we'll say. 32, 33, 34 
or 33, 34, 35, which often is very much the opposite direction in terms of growth and uh, and, and your chance to, to maintain an, an injury-free season. Um, I, I just see that as, as being a precept that the Ravens continually are very clever about, and they don't generally sign an older player. That said, they went out and they got Matt Burke and ended up being a great uh, – great move for them for four years. Yeah. And I think that it's gotta be the right guy that fits into the right position along the offensive line. I, I think that, that if the Ravens are going to, you know, if I was going to give an overview of what I want to see from a guard, I, I mentioned this when we had our podcast about Lamar Jackson, Brandon Scherf was the guy that I would have gone all in on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cause he's just fantastic pulling. I think he would have been a perfect fit in kind of like cementing the right guard position, but also letting the Ravens kind of do what they already do mostly in one direction. Those counter pulls all were kind of coming from the same direction i think there's a chance hitter (laughs) yeah i think next year with the right personnel they could go both ways especially if orlando brown jr is still on the team i think rodney stanley is capable certainly of being a pool guy so they could run it in both ways in all kinds of crazy iterations you've got the right pooling guard in there that's that's athletic going both directions and i think that could be really dynamic and to me i thought sheriff was was the best pulling guard on the market yeah, I mean, it's that's unfortunately it's not saying that much. So what I'd like to do here is let's start talking about these individual players, and you start with your with whoever you think are the top guys, and maybe we should just have some eliminations up front of guys that there's no way the Ravens can afford them. If you'd like to do that, uh, but if you think that everybody's still in line and you wanted to go all in on Sheriff, maybe we just talk about whoever you'd like in terms of of. The, the kind of the uh, uh, what do you call it? The efficient frontier of practicality uh, between you know how good they are and how much they're going to cost. Right. I, I mean, I think Joe Tooney and and Corey Lindsley are the two guys that kind of jump right off the page there that are going to get at least you know, AAVs above 11 million, um, I think, or in the ballpark of that, you know, who knows the salary market makes it a little bit hard to determine, but that's the big question. I think for the Ravens are, are one of those two guys, guys, they love, um, you know, and both of them, I think are 29. So they, like you were just saying, they, they don't exist on kind of the young scale of things. Um, and Tooney, you know, just doesn't to me, I wouldn't want to spend the money on him because I don't think he's a fit from that pulling scheme perspective. He doesn't add that dynamic. He, he's a guy that could swing out to tackle potentially if that's what you needed and you were worried about trading Orlando Brown Jr. Um, but I just don't think he's going to be worth the squeeze there. And, and you, you've got to be worried anytime the Patriots have a shot to keep a guy that they think is super talented around when they have a ton of cap space and they choose yeah. absolutely not to do that just feels like there's some red flags there for me. Well, I mean, they weren't going to franchise him because the franchise tag applies uniformly to all linemen. So they'd effectively be paying left tackle money for a, for an offensive lineman who's a, who's a guard. So I, I guess I kind of understand that. And they must think they can resign him if they want to. I'd still say he's over 50% to return to New England just because I think New England will use their money wisely. And it makes sense to sign an internal free agent, not give up a comp pick, although uh, not sure exactly how the Patriots will look at that this year, given how much cap they have. My problem with Tooney is a little different. You know, even though he's one of the younger players available uh, on the market, you really look down this group. I mean, it's it's 30 to 34 year old guys who are out there and available and Tooney's 29. Um, Does it make sense? Excuse me. Um, uh, I thought he was he was a a step below Lindsley for, for sure. But really, some of the other guys as well, you could have for a similar dollar amount or less in terms of his actual ability. So that's where I, that's where I like, he's, he's a good player. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I, I didn't spend a lot of time watching him pull, not that the Patriots do it nearly as much as the Ravens do, but uh, it's, 
I just he's a step behind the other guys at that same age group. So I I, I would take Lindsley over Tooney of those two. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I think that the Ravens, I mean, that's, that's the other question, you know, do the Ravens feel like they've got the center that they like on their roster? They rotated a series of different guys through there. They've had Bozeman in there. Where is your kind of cost benefit analysis about what you're going to have to pay a guy like Lindsley to come in there? Let, let me ask you the theoretical question that goes there. Let's say you don't know if you have the right center on your team, but you have five guys. And I think that's the, that's the situation the Ravens are actually in right now. They probably have five potential guys who could play center for them this year. Do you take the chance on that and make a bet on your own coaching, your own ability to discriminate between the talent, your own ability to develop the right guy and identify him quickly enough that you get him the number of reps that he needs to take that step forward in year two or three, whether that's McCary or Bozeman or TCC or uh, even bringing back Matt Skura and plugging him for a year and then saying, we're going to draft somebody and bring in somebody new. Or maybe it's Bredesen, uh, you know, g- getting his first chance at center. And, and you say, well, he, he's, he's not working out with this arm length at guard. Uh, it's going to be more difficult for him. So we're going to try him at center and see if it works out. You know, they have so many options. At what point do you say, we have so many options that we can, I know we can make one or more. We don't know what it is right now, but I think we can make one work. You know, I think that's what Eric DaCosta likes to do. Uh, you know, if, if you look at how he approached inside linebacker a couple of years ago, if you look at how they approach offensive line this year, they seem to like a diversity of choices and they think that they can coach up or do what they need with those guys to get it done. So I'd say if I was looking at the history of how that worked out that or how he has approached it in the past, that's where his kind of investment's going to be. And usually I think I'd agree that, you know, especially I think we saw a couple decent, at least half games from TCC when he was in there. Um, you know, Ben Powers played a good stretch, but then a bad stretch. I mean, you, you could see you could see it there for a couple guys. But mm-hmm. for me, I, I, the thing that I get stuck on is that, you know, we don't know what this team is going to look like in 2022, 2023 and beyond. You don't know what's going to happen with Lamar. You've got him cheap for this year. Maybe you just need to cement down one of these positions right now, even if even if it's not going to be cap favorable, and even if you're going to regret it a little bit down the road, because you know your your window to win, I think, is wide open at least right now. You know, if, if the offensive line, you take away the bad snaps from Skura and Makari in, alone, and and that could have fundamentally changed the season last year too. Um, right. So I could I could get on board for a Lindsley signing. That's significant. It, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I, I'm not going to be upset if that's where the Ravens kind of put their chips down. Right. I, and I've I've mellowed a little bit in the last few days on the signing of a quality free agent because the Ravens, I'm sorry, the way the NFL is, is talking about it right now, they're going to have mega deals from TV coming in. OTC is already projecting the cap to increase by about 20, 20 or 25 million per year for the next three years, basically. If that's true, and you can obviously then create contracts which backload them, you're spending fewer dollars today, and it could really make sense. Now, you're still, you can't ignore the first-year contract cost of that player in 2021 cap dollars, which will remain the scarcity. The Ravens have some limited ability to move dollars around there. They can, they can move some Peters dollars around, push them forward. In fact, they could, they could just push them forward uh, you know, a couple of years and then void them. In fact, if they wanted to, meaning they would, they would have to accept them all in the year Peters is released. Uh, they've got ways to, to, to move some money around. But 
I, I think I'm more on board with making a move like that now. I just think I would sign interior free agent before I do this because the other thing about going out and getting Corey Lindsley is it, it's almost as if the guy has a restricted free agent tag and it's a third round tender. You, you have to give up a third round draft pick in order to sign him. If they want to sign Matt Judon, on the other hand, which I think we'd agree is is a very key player the Ravens could get back. Maybe we wouldn't, but but you know I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think I'd spend the money there first. That's interesting. You know, I, if there was anywhere that I didn't think the Ravens were going to spend big, I, I don't think it would be on Matt Judon. Um, and I agree with you that I think he's really critical and plays a really important role in the way that that Wink runs this defense right now. Um, but I think he might. I mean, who knows? I, what, I think they. I don't think he burned the bridge, but I think that the whole thing that happened with Hensley is emblematic of the fact that he knows that he's not going to be here next year. That's kind of, so, so if he does come back, it's going to be at a steep discount because the market wasn't there and he was in the game of musical chairs, the one that was left out. And, and I will gladly have him back if, if that's the case. Um, but you know, I, I didn't get the feeling that the problem that the Ravens had was outside linebacker last year. If there was somewhere I was going to give, you know, we talked about this in, in the Jackson podcast as well. If we're talking about marginal rates of return, I think that there is a little more to give back on the defense than there is potentially on the offensive line. Um, but outside linebacker is going to look like a, I know that's not the topic of this podcast, but, but that's going to be a real interesting way that it plays out too. Um, but there's a big, I mean, that's the other question, right? Like, if the Ravens have a shot at signing a guy like um, oh, <laughs> Von Miller, I was like the outside linebacker from the Broncos. That's a legitimate shot that I think the Ravens should take. That is a quality investment that I think that they'll get every dollar of return on. And I would want to see that over the Ravens signing a guy like Lindsley or Tooney. Uh, Tooney, I don't really want to see them sign anyway. So I think that's irrelevant. But you know, in that instance, you're looking at adding a ton of value, I think, in a spot where you weren't getting it in that same way. So I guess if the Ravens are, that's how I want the Ravens to pick. And so when I look at center a little bit, I look at last year and I say, okay, this was a little bit of a mess. At the same time, I'm a big Mascaro fan. And I think that, I think he just got in his own head at some point over the course of last year, he was rushing to get back because he wanted to play. He knew it was a contract year for him. Um, he knew it was an important year for him to play. So he pushed through probably what was a, a, you know, not a smart or not smart, but like a lot of pressure in a COVID world to get back to health to play. And I think that was part of like, that became part of what happened with the yips of the snaps and all that. I thought he was quite good at center for the first half of last season or the prior season, um, you know, before he got hurt. And I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I think a lot of fans would be upset if he was the guy that the Ravens tapped as a guy who gave, they gave a chance to get back, but if they could get him back on the veteran minimum and, sure. and they wanted to give him an opportunity, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I think I'm, I'm in the minority. No, I'm completely on board with that. I, I'd be, I'd be all for that. I think you know, his Mascara's next attempt is going to be the best attempt you'll ever see from a player. He's, he's not going to give up on the NFL. He's not going to give up on himself. He's not going to trash his career by doing something stupid. He's a smart guy. He's a dedicated guy. Whatever we got, he's going to leave it on the freaking field this next year. And that may not be enough. It's, it's possible. But as a pure blocker, Matt Skur didn't have that bad a year last year. And if you look at PFF grades, they, they roll in the bad snaps into his blocking grades. So it obfuscates what's happening with him as a blocker. But I can tell you, scoring block by block through the season, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a C year as a blocker. It wasn't that bad at all. And, uh, you know, it's, 
you can live with that. And if they had that at center, if they, boy, if they had that at center the whole season, they'd have loved it this last year. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, at, at the worst, Matt Skura gives you another year of basically Matt Skura 2018 to 20 blocking wise, which is not too bad. It doesn't win you the division, but it certainly doesn't lose you the division. Uh, other services don't really uh, value properly. I don't think the back end of double teams, which Skura is particularly good with, they don't really value footwork exceptionally well, which Skura is particularly good with. The Ravens have not had any problems with tripping the quarterback or tripping the puller, which happened a lot in previous eras. Uh, you know, I just, I, I'd be for that. And I, I, I personally, you know, having, having talked to Matt on the phone, I've, I've really appreciated who he is personally. I think there's a good chance that he'd be, uh, you know, we get the best that Matt Skura has at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, but the center position is an interesting one when you get a little bit beyond Lindsley, because I think that there are, you know, a couple, you know, I think Alex Mack is a guy that could be the Matt Burke potentially type guy. He had a pretty weak year last year. And I think a lot of people think that he's completely cooked or he may have kind of regressed a little bit too much athletically, but the Falcons were a mess and, you know, they were, yeah, offensively, the Falcons were just kind of a hot mess all across the board. And, you know, if he's going to come here on a cheap deal as well, I like the veteran presence of a guy like that. I like a guy that might want to chase a ring with this team in a way that he hasn't been able to do with the Falcons for some number of years and be able to kind of hang it up as a, as a retiring Matt Burke type guy um, that I take a look at too. Well, Burke, they signed for four years, and I think he might have been 32 when they signed him. Alex Mack just had a bad year at 35. And, and while he had never previously had a bad year to speak of, uh, he's missed a few games with injuries and that, but, but, but he had never really had a bad year to speak of prior to that. That's a bad time to have a bad year if you want to keep playing. And I just, I, I, I'm not into spending six, seven, eight, nine million on him. If it was a case of a, a one year highly incentivized deal where he where he makes two million and it can go up to six million, okay, I'll consider that. But I think the market is going to value him higher than that. And that means the Ravens will probably be priced out. And I they're more going to be attuned to the to the age risk uh component here than I think a lot of other teams will be. You you surprised me when you said he was thirty five. Um, I did not think Alex Mack was that old. So he's, a, um, he's actually be thirty six this year. I think in October or whenever it is. But uh, that'll be his football age for this year, since he should go by twelve thirty one. Yeah, that would that would probably put him put him off the list for me. Um, an, another guy that I thought was interesting was the center from uh, Miami, Ted Karras, uh, who again not great, but you know I don't think he's going to command a huge contract. Um, and played really, he played really solid in the middle of the season for Miami. I thought um, after after a little bit of a weak start. So you know he's a guy that could come in and fill in, but. You know, I, and I think he's going to get stuck in that class of, of free agents. We're going to have this really weird thing, I think, that happens in free agency where all the money is going to get sucked up by these top guys really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see really kind of cheaper deals for like these middle level veterans. And whoever's left over is going to have to take really cheap deals when it's all said and done because there just isn't going to be enough money left over or enough places to play. And I think he is not quite good enough to be in the upper tier. So that leaves him as potentially available kind of in that, in, in that kind of two, $3 million range. And if that's the case, I think the Ravens should be interested. 
Yeah, I think that's the right range. Uh, yeah, I think if it was if it was uh, two million, I, I'm I'm in on a player like Karras. Uh, he's the kind of guy I need to look at and say, how much did he provide relative to what the Ravens have in house? And the one thing he did give is tremendous durability the last two years. One year in Miami, one year in New England. Uh, but he gives you some of that physicality. He's been a pretty good pass blocker, not really exceptional. He's been an okay run blocker in these years. That's probably something that that can be. Uh, tuned up. He's not a player I've watched to watch for some of the other concerns out of a center. Is is he going to get off balance on the back end of a double team, or is his footwork bad? That sort of thing. But he is a guy that was it was on my list. I have him as a, as a bottom tier candidate. It sounds like you might have him as a, as kind of a, the bottom of the mid tier. And not sure there's a lot of difference there. But uh, but he's one of the younger options at 28. Yeah, that's what that's what I had noticed when when he had kind of appealed to me. So, you know, the, I think the Ravens are going to go for age here anyway, just the way DaCosta does run things that that it, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a guy like Alex Mack, given his age. <laughs> well, I mean, once you're once you're at that point and you're Eric DaCosta, why don't you say, hey, we got a guy's 24, a guy's 25, a guy's got 26, another guy's 23. Why the fuck aren't we giving these guys a chance to run and go to the open market? Yep. I, I, I mean, I think that ultimately that's where, where it's going to look like it's going to shake out for this team. And, you know, and it, let's say that you bring a guy back like Matt Skura um, and he plays a Ryan Jensen level year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a third round pick for nothing. It's it's probably a fourth or a fifth in his case, but yes, it's a it's a you're right. You could you could get a a breakout year cheap and then get real value out of it, and and you know it's it's a win win on all the sides. Metzger would be going to a place where he knows he's going to get a fair shake on playing, and if he does play and plays well, he's going to get paid somewhere. So I think it's a you know it would be a win all the way around the board. Nothing. I'd love to see him getting his get his career back on on track. Let me bring up a couple other names. Gabe Jackson is a name that comes up. Uh, durable, certainly a good interior pass blocker. Lots of mobility questions. Uh, it it's a long time ago now that Gabe Jackson ran a five fifty one forty at the combine. Uh, it's a question of just <laughs> how much ability he'd have to uh, to pull within this offense. Yeah, and, and and it'll be really interesting to see if if the Ravens, you know, where where it kind of lands in, in that regard. But um, you know, he he was released, so there's no comp pick value that would be lost there. Mm-hmm. So we know the Ravens really like that. He is a really big boy. I mean, these guys are all huge, but he's a big boy. Um, you know, I I don't I, I see him as not a fit for the same reason. Um, in the sense that I think that the Ravens are going to want a guy that can pull. But if they don't, um, you know, I haven't looked at what Gabe Jackson's numbers look like from a pass blocking perspective, but. I I think the Ravens might be willing to trade really quality pass blocking for less quality run blocking. Um, There were a few moments, I think, that um, in in last year's games, they felt like they really like when they needed to go to the well in terms of pass blocking, you know, it wasn't there. Okay, so they'd be trying you'd be trying to acquire the pass blocking. It wasn't clear from your statement. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. There are things that Lamar makes all pass blocking easier is the other side of that coin that, you know, you get a guy who's been a substandard pass blocker. All of a sudden, he's a good pass blocker because he's got Lamar in the pocket to save him from a bunch of pressures. Uh, and that's been true at tackle on both sides for the Ravens. Uh, both both their uh, guys have benefited tremendously from having Lamar there. And as a run blocker, uh, Brown has benefited in terms of having an easier set of assignments. We've talked about that ad infinitum, so I don't need to go over it again. But uh, you know, it's I think there is an opportunity. But you 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 look for a specific skill set that works well with Lamar, whatever that whatever they think that might be. You know, maybe it's 
you know, making sure that the guy knows exactly how to play combination blocks well. He's, he's got good timing on those. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's just mobility and, and you know, we can teach him how to get his timing right on, on these combination blocks. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how the Ravens approach, approach this. I'll tell you what, let's continue on with this. And, and we're, we're kind of lagging on it because I just love talking theoretical football with you, Jordan. But who's your next guy on your list? Uh, I think it would be David Andrews, um, okay. the center from New England. So, uh, Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Obviously, exciting in terms of the guy's got plenty of experience and has been a pretty good player within the Belichick offense, obviously. Uh, is only 29. Yep. So... That's actually young for this group, which is ridiculous that uh, that there are no really young free agents there. Uh, certainly could play center if that's uh, where he's been. That's where he's played primarily with New England. Uh, other thoughts on him? Yeah, you know, just a stable guy who's played pretty consistently. You know, not a lot of not a lot of holds from you know what I was looking into him. He's gonna be. He's going to be one of your stable guys, and I think that I think that there could be a chance that the Ravens just want some of that kind of like pretty middle of the road stability that can fit within a system and is going to be a smart player. And that's kind of why he jumped off the page of me. Okay. Uh, I think I'd be all for that. Let me bring up another name from the Ravens pass. That's Rick Wagner. And obviously uh, the Ravens might need Rick Wagner at tackle. And I guess another consideration would be, could you ever use Rick Wagner at guard if that's where your emergency was? And I think in the, in the Ravens case, they'd ideally have him as a backup tackle but it almost gives you the flexibility to move on Brown because he could be a temporary solution as a starter at right tackle. Yeah, I think, you know, the Ravens are going to have to, maybe not have to, I think the Ravens are definitely going to bring in a couple veteran free agent swing tackle to like guard-ish kind of guys like they did with Fluker. And I think that Rick Wagner could very well be just as capable as any of the other types of those that they could bring in. Um, Coleccio assembly as another former Raven could be, you know, a similar type of guy, I think. Mm -hmm. He's on my list too. Wagner actually played very well last year. So, and I know a lot of that's playing with Rogers is going to be easier too, just like playing with Jackson is, but he played about three quarters of a season with green Bay last year. Looked good. And honestly has really only had about one poor year as a pro. Uh, so a really good draft pick by the Ravens, good developmental project by this. He went off. It was sad. He got hurt because he was having a big year with Detroit in the year that happened. I think that ended up costing the Ravens a, a, a round of draft pick in, in terms of the comp pick that that happened. But, uh, you know, player I always liked uh, back pylon blocker means he really tries to use his length well to get the, the uh, speed rusher around the edge of the pocket. 
Never had more trouble scoring pressures than with Rick Wagner, by the way, because it was always so close. It's always like the ball is diving for the corner of the end zone right there when you're trying to see, did he really get that guy by the back or did he impede the quarterback in some way? And uh, I, I liked him as a, as a player, and I'm, uh, uh, I'd be happy to have him back even at 32. How about Richie Incognito? 38 years old now, only played two years, two games last year. But one thing you can say about Richie Incognito is as whoever he is personally, and I don't even want to get into that, he's been a hell of a football player when he's, whenever he's been on the field. Yeah, and I, I think you heard some Ravens fans chattering a little bit about the Ravens not kind of having that muscle or that kind of like that edge there were there, you know, the, there was all this love for Ryan Jensen and kind of his, dip, uh, you know, avid defense of Tom Brady and this idea that, mm-hmm. you know, at least in some places, the Ravens didn't really seem to have a guy that was, was protecting Jackson with that same kind of mentality. And he could be one of those guys. I mean, I worry about a guy that's that, that old with the injury history that he's had. Um, but you know, if he's willing to come in on, on the right deal and, you know, especially as a backup, even if he brings that feistiness um, and, and that edge, I, I, you know, I think that that's something that could be well served for this Ravens team. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that Richie Incognito has been around since 2006, but part of the reason it's hard to believe is because he missed two entire seasons, 2018, 2014, didn't play a single snap either time. Last year, he only played two games, which is a concern, uh, but he's been so good all the time. I mean, he's definitely... He's he's the kind of player that an NLTBE contract was made for, not like not likely to be earned bonuses because you base that, I believe, on the previous year. So with two games, it's easy to structure something that says his 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 quote unquote stats or his playing time has to increase, and then that becomes not likely to be earned and and effectively pushes that forward as a cap cost until next year. Uh, I think from that perspective, he'd be an interesting signing, and uh, I. There is a question as to whether or not you know you want to you want to sign a player like this before the compensatory period is over. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I mean, I, I tend to think that given his background and the non the off field stuff, I think could also just eliminate him from what the Ravens might want to do. Yeah. Uh, not not unheard of. I'm going to bring up three other names that are top tier tackles, but they're looking for starting jobs. And I don't think any of them would come to the Ravens. Trent Williams, obviously going to earn one of the biggest contracts out there this year. Russell Okung, even though he's 34, uh, is is a player who's going to want a starting job wherever he goes. And Alejandro Villanueva at 33, unbelievably. Uh, he's only played six seasons, but he's 33, um, is a guy who's going to get good money and start somewhere with all the tackle problems in the league. In a lot of ways, Russell Okung or Alejandro Villanueva is your alternative to signing Orlando Brown. So let's let's look at that in in a sense. If you, you, with Brown you get a player who's eight or nine years younger than those guys, you know you're getting a period of ascension during his play, and you're getting a player who's probably approximately as good right now as either of those guys. And I, I used to, it's it's easy to understand now why people would want to toss a high second round pick or maybe even a first round pick out there for Orlando Brown. And, uh, and we'll see where that leads, but, uh, but there's definitely potential value there when, when the other alternatives look like what they do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and especially in this market and especially with kind of how things are going to shake out, it'll be interesting. Um, they play a, it, it's, it's interesting in the sense that it's a valuable enough position that 
it's possible that they both get snatched up and come off the board really quickly. Um, and if that happens before anything happens with Orlando Brown, I think that that makes it, will make it more difficult on two levels for the Ravens to trade him. One is the teams that you potentially would be going to have now locked up a tackle that they like, but two, that the Ravens are just even less interested because they know how big of a gap they potentially could have by having another I mean, that could be potentially all three spots on the right side of the, the offensive line that they feel like they have a little bit of a question mark about. And in addition to that, you've got Stanley coming back off the injury. And from all we've heard, he'll be fine. But you, you never know, especially early in the season. You know, you make a great point there. So with the with those three top tackles, with Trent Williams, Oking, and, Val- and Valenueva out there, and you would hope then – that there is a very heavy elasticity in the in the market for price there, and basically all the teams are pushing back and saying, you know what, we're not you're just not going to pay thirteen million dollars in this environment over four years for an older guy to come in and play left tackle for us when we have other options. And you'd hope people would say no all the way till the compensatory period is over, and then they and then it might mean that you you know you have an opportunity at least during that time probably before the draft to to trade brown and uh, and get the best possible deal you can because he's the only he's the only option out there who has any youth to him uh that would make sense in terms of you're buying into an ascending player yeah, you know, definitely. And I love having a good conversation about any uh, elasticity or like, even in this case, we've got some sticky wages, you know, in that sense that they're not going to come down. Right. Cause you've got guys that, I mean, especially if it's their last contract, I mean, for, for a guy like Villanueva, he, he might be just willing to ride it out a little bit longer because you know, this is going to be the last contract shot he gets um, mm-hmm. or potentially could be that if he doesn't play a great year, this upcoming year, even in a better market next year, maybe there's nothing there. Um, and so there's certainly that element that's added to it. And it seems like everything, all the decisions are being kind of pushed back and delayed by everybody and all these teams as far as possible. And, and, and usually it's the case where we're seeing tags happen at the last possible minute, but mm-hmm. it seems like this year, even more so than usual, it's kind of less, uh, less known from a leak perspective of who's going to get tagged and not compared to other years. And the tag deadline was today, right? Or yeah, it was today. It, it was okay. today if they don't extend it. Now the, there were rumors that the NFL was talking about extending it. It seems like those died down, but it should have been today at four thirty, I believe. Okay, so the NFLPA would have to agree, I assume, to an extension. So they'd have to be getting something in exchange, but yeah. probably get something worked out for what that would be. Uh, how about other guys out of either the bargain bin or the mid-tier level that you like? You know, there were other names that I saw that, that could potentially be interesting. You know, I thought Mikey Opati played like a, a handful of decent games right in the middle of the season last year. Um, James Carpenter is another guy that kind of has a little bit of that cachet and the history of, you know, you're looking for, you know, especially in, in, from our perspective at this point, it becomes much more about pedigree and what we've heard about some of these guys. So you, so you get those kind of old free agent types um, that are holdovers from kind of prior areas eras that were really good then. And so, you know, Eopati, if he had something left, you know, obviously a fantastic pulling guard during his time in the prime with um, San Francisco also knows Roman would know some basics of this system and that, and something in that regard, he could be a guy that, you know, on that non, you know, non-guaranteed contract is, is part of camp for the Ravens this upcoming year. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say no, certainly to him coming to camp with any kind of non-guaranteed money or even 25,000 guaranteed. I wouldn't go higher than that. I don't think. Yeah. I, another guy that comes to mind for me, Matt Filer, in terms of being a, 
uh, you know, AFC North guy. We've seen a little bit more of him, both at guard and tackle, I think, for the Steelers. And, uh, you know, it'd be an interesting player if he could be a swing guy that I think might make sense for the Ravens. Now, he's not a great player by any stretch, and he's not a super young guy, but he's 29, and that represents kind of the youngest of the free agent group of linemen. It's, it's hilarious to see. He's enormous. He's you know a 6'6", 330 guy, so he's got that good length to play tackle if needed there. I guess the good question would be his feet if he moved outside. Uh, based on what we've seen from him, I wouldn't rule him out. And and he's one of the few guys that I think you might give a mid dollar value to. And, and I'm talking maybe like two years, 7 million kind of thing. Something that's not, it's not 20 over two years, but it's also not the vet minimum. And I, there just aren't that many people who fall into that category for me. Yeah. And you know, another name I saw kind of doing a little research here was Jermaine uh, Illuminar. Yes. And he's a guy who's super young, obviously from a athleticism perspective, really would fit in. Um, I think with this team also, you know, still felt like he was learning football with the Ravens, which was part of the why reason why he wasn't there, but you know, the Patriots aren't going to give up a draft pick for a guy that they don't think has talent. So I think that there could be some upside with him. Yeah, I think he's because of his youth and he's by far the youngest free agent lineman out there of any note at age 27, by far the youngest. Um, he, he might be a guy that gets signed during the early signing period. Uh, I, don't th- I don't know that he really deserves it, you know, based on, on his level of play. But I think somebody will say, OK, that's a guy I'll take a shot on. And it may even be a team that is already in bad shape in the compensatory formula and says, yeah. OK, we signed this guy now. We we take him off the market and he's going to understand the value of uh, of getting a salary secured in a year like this. Yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see that. And, you know, he's he's an interesting, interesting project. But I also wonder, you know, a guy like Kalechi Assembly was a guy that I think the Ravens should have been in conversations with to to instead of going to Kansas city last year. And it seems like in some instances, maybe some of these guys that leave in free agency or traded away or aren't, aren't on board may not want to come back. And and that could be the case for a guy that was traded away like him. It, it could be, I mean, it was honestly at the time, I thought this is an opportunity too good for the Ravens to, to have given up on, on the other side, once he was gone, you know, it's like, wow, we could have had another backup tackle and that would have been really nice this last year. So <laughs> we, 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 uh, it, it, it was just they had too many linemen at the time, and they really kind of had to make a move. That the Patriots picked one they they really liked out of the group, and they got two decent years out of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, there weren't a whole lot of other guys that 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 jumped off the page of me. But you know, any any for you, Ken? Only one other that I'll mention, and it's only because I've seen him on a, re- uh, a recent episode of uh, one of these home improvement shows. I forget which one it was, but he was buying his parents a uh, improvement to their house. It's Kelvin Beecham. Mm. who had played with the Jaguars for a while, been a hell of a pass blocker for most of his career. Uh, actually, he only played one year in Jacksonville. Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, the Jets, and Arizona in his career. Uh, he played almost 700 snaps last year and still looked pretty good. Um, I would think as a backup tackle, he would make a lot of sense to somebody. He is 32 years old or will be in June. Uh, it's a risk, uh, but, but he's a guy I think if he could be had cheap, would be a guy I'd be really interested in at tackle. Yeah, you know, I could I could definitely see that. It'll be the Ravens definitely need one more swing tackle type. And, you know, we haven't talked about, I guess, technically Andre Smith is under contract. So it'll be interesting to see if they feel like <laughs> he's the guy that could fill that role. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know where his like guaranteed, non guaranteed money is too, because they signed it for something like twenty five thousand of guaranteed money. So yeah. does he have to still earn that guaranteed money by showing up to camp this year to try and you know give it the effort? I mean, we we all assume he's retired, of course. Yeah, I, but it'd be it'd be interesting to see if he could be back. Yeah, you know, the, I was surprised when the Ravens had signed him in the first place, and I don't think we'll see Fluker back either. Um, but you know, the Ravens are going to have to. They, they definitely need some something more competent or something they feel more trustworthy of, I think as, at that backup tackle position as one that they can stick with and they're ready for at the beginning of the year. So I, I do think it's going to be interesting to, to watch that, that market of what they try and do to kind of fill that spot. Cause I don't, I don't think it's on the roster right now. Okay. I, I would not, I'm not a hundred percent that Fluker is not going to be back. He would yeah. be my dark horse to return. I think, you know, he, he could give you backup value. I thought even as a blocker, most of his, he had a, a number of F games uh, in terms of his grading, but most of those were in lower snap games. So when you wait by snaps, his grade came out to be about a D plus, not great. He's 30 years old. That's not even that old for the, for the, for the offensive linemen that are available. I just I thought there might be enough there from his play at tackle where he's clearly playing out of position at this point that you could project some value at guard where he might really be able to fill in there usefully for you, given the length he brings and and some of the mauling ability. So I, I, I was a, I'm a little more positive on Fluker, I think, than, than everybody else. But I think he's definitely a guy who fits the Ravens system and probably nobody else's at this point. So they could have him cheap if they wanted him. Yeah, it's just uh, the Ravens have have released some very odd cues about what they think about Fluker then because their unwillingness to even let him start the entirety of a game during certain stretches where it seemed like it would have been really valuable for him to be able to do so, especially as Tyree Phillips seemed like the game was just moving too quickly for him. So you've got a veteran that you like enough and you're still not willing to hand him the keys for the entirety of a game. I guess that's where that's the thing I'm looking at saying, okay, that's why I don't think the Ravens are going to bring Fluker back. Yeah, I mean, it's at right tackle. And, you know, that's where he was out of place. But Phillips was also out of place. Yeah. You know, playing tackle in the NFL. It's just neither one of them is capable of using their size really effectively to get the guy to the back pylon like Wagner is or like Orlando Brown is. And and it really brought up a, a you know, a shortage that the Ravens had. I think it was more of a statement to me that they're saying neither of these guys is good enough. That's number one. Or number two is we're not just going to take Phillips position away from him and not let him have a half a position when Fluker hasn't earned the position at right tackle either, which is more like what you're saying. I think that it's not a great uh, endorsement of, uh, of Fluker in the process. That said, you know, either one of them wouldn't surprise me if neither one of them is really the answer at tackle, but one of them ends up being an answer at guard for the Ravens. Yeah. You know, Tyree Phillips, I think probably is the biggest wild card that the Ravens need to make a decision about how they evaluate him. Cause I mean, we saw it on his rushing attempt he has, he is physical and, and he is strong and he's quick. Um, you know, he carries, you can see at least in some of those moments, why the Ravens were willing to spend the draft pick on him, but at times just seems looks totally lost, looks completely unable to use those skills to be successful. And, and so, you know, you know, maybe they can work with him for this offseason. They feel like he takes their strides moving forward. I mean, I, I don't know how you evaluate that in COVID and, you know, all of all of kind of everything that's happened. You, you got to trust your instincts about how well these players grow in your system, how much stronger or, you know, how much better they get in those things. And the Ravens are going to know that better than anyone, um, you know, and in that sense, I think I'm willing to give the Ravens 
I, I, I won't be terribly upset if they roll the dice and they bring this whole crew of offensive line back and say, we're going to go with, you know, Macari and Cologne at center. We're going to go with, we're going to keep Bozeman at guard. We're going to, you know, we're going to let powers is our guy. Yeah. Powers and Phillips fight it out a red guard and whoever wins these competitions, those are the guys we're going to go with. And we're, we're going to push them as hard as we can in camp to, to everybody's going to have a shot at, you know, a comp- competitive spot somewhere and, and maybe let Macari be the swing tackle guy. If he loses the spot or, regardless you know mm-hmm. he, he wasn't awful out there but he, he probably wouldn't be my go-to yeah I, I don't think it would hold up over a full season uh but uh, but yeah it is an interesting interesting option now i thought one of the really really jet black horse options for the ravens was isaiah thomas isaiah i don't have that right, that right. wilson wilson yeah isaiah wilson yeah of, of the titans unfortunately he got signed uh, or not signed but uh acquired by the dolphins today in an odd exchange of seventh round draft picks uh, so it's one of these weird things where essentially they're giving him away for nothing, but he has four four point six million of guaranteed money over three years on his contract. Doesn't seem like a lot, certainly in terms of getting a veteran. It is not Miami rolling the dice a little bit and honestly playing a little bit of power with their cap to uh, uh, to, to make that move. Not not a lot because it's not a it's a big not a big high dollar move, but uh, it's something that that there's a, there's a pang in my stomach that says Isaiah Wilson might still be decent. And the Ravens just missed out on an opportunity to get someone that they could have they could have corrected. Yeah, what the the Dolphins moved up like one pick, <laughs> I think, right? It's an exchange of one year too. So I think oh, there's they, a year they give up. Okay. A, no, they, they they acquire the pick in 2022 and they give up the pick in 2021. Okay, I thought it was I thought it was both for this upcoming year. So that would have meant they you know they both lost in uh, you know anyway. That would um, be a real statement to Wilson. It'd be even more of a statement to Wilson if they're willing to move down <laughs> one level. <laughs> um, you know he. It's, you know, similar story to kind of a guy like Richie Incognito, right? Like, or, or just some of these, you know, these guys that it just seems like can't get his head on straight. So, you know, I, I don't know if the Ravens want to deal with something like that in a year, like this upcoming one or one where they feel like they have something like that going for them. But I agree with you. It's talent is what the Ravens need at offensive line. And I, I still think that it's the best place where the Ravens can make the biggest progress on this upcoming year um, in terms of overall value return of, of what they're going to get, maybe outside linebacker, depending on what they, what ends up happening there. Um, but I think Bowser, I think they're going to, I think they're going to resign Bowser. And I think he's going to be a lot better suited to fill Judon's role um, pretty quickly. If they, if they kind of let him have the keys to the car in that sense, that makes me worry less about that. Okay. All right, that'll still only be two. I'll I'll be, I guess I'll be less concerned when McPhee is also in house, which I think he will be. I do too. And unfortunately, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Jihad Ward today, but Jihad Ward said something. It was a fairly cryptic tweet, but it said it's almost that time, and you know we're eight days away from free agency here. We're, mm. we're, we're recording this on the 9th of of March. That doesn't make me feel good. That's a guy who's kind of ra- giving a raspberry to the front office. It almost seems like if he meant differently, his agent ought to have a talk with him about not using social media without adding clarity. If anybody who's ever tried to make a sarcastic remark in an email knows exactly what I'm talking about, by the way, it does not work, folks. Don't try it. <laughs> and, and it's worse on social media, right? Because yes. <laughs> it's been followed by a series of comments yes. by people that also don't know what the heck you're talking about. And they're, it, and they're all guessing about something control. different. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I, I, I don't know if we had a chance to talk about this, but JJ Watts comment about mitochondria being the powerhouse of the cell. 
He just no. it, was, it, was oh, just a, it was just a statement he put out. And then there are all these these things that developed in the seven degrees of, of separation between that being he's coming to the Ravens. And it's, they're absolutely hilarious. I want to do a short on one of those, just have somebody, you know, promote this as a conspiracy theory using the most, you know, hardcore acting that he can. The guy who did it on Reddit, worth worth taking a look at the thing because it's hilarious going through it, uh, <laughs> the connections. It's going to be an interesting free agency year, I think. It, there's going to be a lot of waiting. And at the very end of the day, like I want you know, to Costa to know what he wants and go after it if that's what he wants or just to, to wait you, to wait it out because the value that you're going to get by waiting and waiting and waiting, whoever's left, regardless of what you think of them as players, are, are, is going to have an immense amount of value, I think. Yeah, and I, I agree. And it, from all... You know what, what we're hearing. I think the Ravens are going to up, largely approach free agency that way. I don't think they'll have a big signing like most years. Like most years, all the people who are hitting F five every four seconds during the first day of free agency are going to be disappointed and tweeting a lot. And we're going to have to, you know, deal with every single wide receiver signing as being another. One. What are you asleep, Ravens? Can I have it? But it is what it is, and, and I agree with you. Always a pleasure to talk football, economics, whatever you like, Jordan. <laughs> whenever we have you on the show, uh, tell people where they can find your work. Yeah, you can check us out on Twitter at Raven Sit Room. Um, I also do a podcast with an awesome co-host, Gabe Ferguson. He's at Gabe Fergie, and uh, we do the Situation Room, which you can also find on Kent's site. Now, I, we've heard, and I heard this from Gabe, who just was on one of the shows with me about, uh, I think, the outside linebacker position, yes, uh, a few days ago, that you guys have not uh, recorded a show in a while. We haven't. We, we we haven't been able to get our schedules together. So we're, we're going to be doing a free agency primer here in the first couple of days, I think, as as these things kind of roll out. Okay. Sounds great, guys. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, uh, always a pleasure to have you on, Jordan. If you want to be on a film study short this offseason, I'm encouraging everybody who wants to to do it. Uh, just give me a focus topic. Send it to me by email, filmstudy21 at verizon.net or on my Twitter account, which you probably know is at filmstudyravens. Uh, focus topic, 15, 20 minutes. That's what we're looking for. Just trying to get some interesting, passionate appeals from Ravens fans out there who'd, who'd uh, like to do such a show. Thanks again, Jordan, for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, Ken. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.